0: Lord Jesus Christ, lead me. This is Deacon James, a Christian in the Antiochian Orthodox Church. This is the second of eight podcasts offered to assist people with their relationship with God. In the first session, we read sections of the Bible that tell of God's self-revelation in the world. How God chooses to reveal himself will shape how we see the world. How we see the world is what the Church calls its phronema, our worldview, our frame of mind. Carrying on this worldview that God has revealed himself, tonight's topic is the Bible. Why do we have it? The Bible is the written record of sacred tradition. God started the tradition himself by revealing himself. God is the subject of the tradition, and by his grace he invites mankind to join him in that tradition. Those who witnessed his revelation, or revelations, shared their personal encounters with others. One tradition from God to men, and then men giving their tradition over to others. Sometimes these encounters were written down, other times they were passed along by word of mouth. In this session, we will read some sections of scripture that highlight the reality of God's sacred tradition. But, but before we talk and risk idle words, let us pray. Illumine our hearts, O Master, who lovest mankind with the pure light of Thy divine knowledge, and open the eyes of our minds to the understanding of Thy gospel teachings. Implant in us also the fear of Thy blessed commandments, that trampling down all carnal desires, we may enter upon a spiritual manner of living, both thinking and doing such things as are well-pleasing unto Thee. For thou art the illumination of our souls and bodies, O Christ our God, and unto thee we ascribe glory, together with thine unoriginate Father, and thine all-holy good and life-giving Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. In the Divine Liturgy of the Orthodox Church, this prayer is read right before the Gospel reading. The Gospel teachings referenced in the prayer are the Gospel teachings of Jesus of Nazareth, now read in the presence of the people. This is the activity of sacred tradition, God continuing to reveal himself to people in the world, even now, 2,000 years after Jesus of Nazareth walked on the earth. The divine knowledge referenced in the prayer will be truth proclaimed and revealed through the public reading of the gospel, designed to illumine hearts, and bring people to a spiritual manner of living and thinking. And what is that spiritual manner but the life of the Holy Spirit, as we will see in a Gospel reading to come? The four Gospel writings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John have a central position in the life of the Church, as these four all cataloged the sayings, teachings, and actions of Jesus of Nazareth who is God's self-revelation in the flesh, God's tradition to man. And now that tradition of God in the flesh is intended to be read into the ears, minds, and hearts of those who gather for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Wisdom, let us attend. In the first four verses of his Gospel, St. Luke explains why and how he wrote his book of the Bible. Luke, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things which have been accomplished among us, just as they were delivered to us by those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus that you may know the truth concerning the things of which you have been informed. Luke is writing about the things that have been accomplished among us. Those things were the deeds of Jesus of Nazareth. And there were eyewitnesses, the apostles, the myrrh women, the seventy elders, many others who also became ministers of the word, who having seen and experienced those deeds of God, then delivered those deeds to other people. God establishing the tradition in Jesus, Jesus handing over the tradition to his eyewitnesses, the eyewitnesses now handing over the tradition to writers such as Luke. Luke admits he took some care in compiling his narrative, which means that he's not quite sequencing his events historically, not that it's in unhistorical, but that his narratives, as he's looking back at all the events that happened, he's seeing how what they all mean and how they all should be catalogued so we can understand the truth concerning the things which have been informed us. In verse 3, he suggests, It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write down the orderly account. Now, instead of just hearing the narratives, he's now going to write them down. The orderly account in Greek is the Greek word for catechesis or catechism. Catechisms would become the Christian practice of orienting new people into the life of the Church. The Gospel itself here, then, is the Church's catechism. And the center subject of the Church's teaching is Jesus of Nazareth himself. The goal is not just to learn head knowledge. The goal is not to become good moral people. The goal is to have a relationship with Jesus, who is the tradition of God in the flesh. Theophilus, who is he? He's not quite known in the sacred tradition. This could be a play on words. Theophilus, as if lover of God. This could be Luke's way of saying anyone who has an interest in the love of God these things are for you. Let's take a look at God's sacred tradition in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 24. This is in the middle of the event of the people of God being led by Moses to Mount Sinai, where they were Moses and the elders meet God on the top of the mountain. Verse 24 begins with God inviting Moses and Aaron, and Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders up to worship. Moses is alone to come near to the Lord. Without the others, the others must stay at a distance. This is reminiscent of Moses approaching the burning bush when God met him in the bush that was not consumed. Moses met God alone. In verse 3, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has spoken we will do. God establishes the tradition to Moses. Moses passes along the tradition to the people. The people acknowledge that, as if they will now implement the tradition into their lives. Verse 4, And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars, according to the twelve tribes of Israel. The tradition that the people agreed that they would implement into their lives is now written down by Moses in written form. Now they have a record in case anyone forgets, or perhaps anyone wasn't quite clear. Now they can go back and see, or have someone read to them, what it was that they agreed to do. Verse 5 And Moses sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in the basins, and half the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it upon the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. All these words of the 613 laws that are written down in Exodus chapter 20 all the way through Exodus chapter 29. This would be the living code for the people to live from. This is the pattern of sacred tradition. God speaks to one of his spokesmen. His spokesmen then speak to the people. And the people understand that God has spoken to them. The blood of the sacrificed bull is sprinkled on all the people so that they are incorporated in that sacrifice, so that now through the hearing and practice of the tradition, they would understand that this is a matter of life and death, and not participating in the tradition of God will lead only to death, not because God threatens them but because apart from God, there is no life. This will be the pattern of the Old Testament through the rest of Exodus, through Leviticus, Numbers, through the Brooks of the Kings, through Judges, all the way until the Babylonian exile. With this pattern of sacred tradition in mind, I'd like to turn ahead to Second Peter chapter 1 and take a look at another event that happened on a mountain. In the first chapter, 2 Peter, verse 12, Peter says, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these things, though you know them, and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to arouse you by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. And I will see to it that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Similar to Moses writing down the words in the book of the covenant, Peter is writing down his words that he is sending to to his hearers so that they would have a record of what he said to them. Interestingly enough, in verse 13 and 14, when Peter says, I am in this body, the word in Greek here actually is tent or could even be translated tabernacle. So Peter is referring to his own body, his own flesh, like a tent, like a tabernacle that soon will be gone away, will be put off from him as he leaves this world. Keep the tent and tabernacle in mind. Verse 16, Peter continues, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Eyewitnesses. Peter is very likely one of those eyewitnesses that St. Luke consulted in the writing down of his own gospel. And, to be sure, the events and deeds of Jesus Christ of Nazareth were very strange to some people. As you know in reading the gospels, some of the Jews and Pharisees were not happy with the things that he did. So Peter indicates these aren't cleverly devised myths that we created. These aren't fun stories and fables that we crafted. These are the events that we experienced in our flesh, with our eyes, with our hands, with our ears. These things we saw, just as Moses saw the extraordinary power of God on Mount Sinai, Peter Now has witnessed the extraordinary power of God in the flesh of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17. For when he, Jesus, received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Here, Peter is referencing the transfiguration of Jesus, that time when Peter and James and John went up a mountain with Jesus, and Jesus shone his glory. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah were standing next him, and they heard the voice of the Father claiming, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, which is the same phrase that the Father spoke about Jesus at the baptism of Jesus. Remember that tent from earlier that Peter referred to in his body. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus shone his glory, Peter, James, and John were knocked down the mountain. When they recovered, it is recorded that Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Let us build a tent or a tabernacle, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And the gospel writers admit Peter did not understand what he was saying. Well, Peter understands what he's saying now upon looking back at the event. Another way to understand this is in, the John's, is in the gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, when John said, For the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt is from the Greek word for tent and tabernacle. So we could translate that verse the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Now Peter is understanding that there is no need for tents and tabernacles, there is no need to build structures for the true tabernacle, the true tent, is our Lord Jesus Christ who is God in the flesh. And just as God has become in the flesh, so Peter, by being in communion with his Lord Jesus Christ, is also becoming a tabernacle or tent. Thus he refers to his own body as the tent, which soon will be put off. Verse 19, Peter continues, And we have the prophetic word made more sure. You will do well to pay attention to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And who is the day dawning and the morning star but the Lord Jesus Christ? And the prophetic word that Peter is now prophetically preaching is the prophetic word that was begun in the Old Testament prophets and now has been made more sure in the person of Jesus Christ. God establishing the holy tradition in himself, revealing himself to eyewitnesses, who then will carry on the tradition by incorporating that godliness into themselves and then passing on that sacred tradition to others. Verse 20. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. The holy and sacred tradition is a tradition of the community. It's the community of the church, but of course not the church only, the church in communion with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because as verse 21 says, no prophecy ever came by the impulse of man, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. I'd like to end this session too with the words of Jesus, as recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Here we have our Lord clarifying how the Holy Tradition works from God to us. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has passed on those things to us, a life to live in communion with the Holy Spirit. The life of the church, the holy traditions, these aren't just man made things, cleverly devised myths, nor did they come from private interpretations. The holy tradition is the revelation of God. The Bible is the written record of God's revelation. The Holy Spirit is the activity and life of the holy tradition. So, which came first? The Bible? or the tradition? Which came first, the church or the Bible? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? If God is all in all, it doesn't really matter which one came first, for when you are in communion with the Spirit, you have all things. This is the end of session two, the Bible. Why do we have it? I'm Deacon James. Thank you for listening.